The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test Jesus so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So Jesus was left alone with the woman before him. And Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Stones have played a big part in the advancement of human civilization. Some point way, way, way back when, someone had the grand idea to chop the corners off of a nice stone and make a wheel out of it, and thus began transportation. Some other point in the history of humanity, somebody decided, discovered that if you cut a stone perfectly square, it makes a beautiful cornerstone for a building that can rise up and withstand the elements and endure for a century or more. Later on, even still, someone decided that if you angle a stone just so, It makes a great keystone in an arch. And with such arches, well, you can build Gothic cathedrals that reach to the sky, the very paramount of human ingenuity and artistry, for that matter. Stones have been a big part of our development as a society, as a culture, as a humanity for all of these many millennia. Sadly, there's also a role that stones have played in our human history that is much more complicated and difficult and troublesome. 
Perhaps it all began when Cain decided to pick up a field stone and clobber his brother Abel over the head with it, leaving him dead in a field. Stone proved very useful to young David when he had his sling and was facing down that terrible giant uh, and, and let the, fling swi- the, the, the sling fly and the rock hits Goliath in the head and down he goes and David, little David's the victor over this terrible evil creature. Beyond that, there's also this terrible and horrific use of stones to execute people. Even as we hear today in the gospel, the law of Moses commands, supposedly, that if a woman is caught in adultery, she shall be stoned. Well, law of Moses, what about the men? It should come as no surprise that the stoning particularly of women caught in adultery has been a part of many cultures across many centuries and continues even to this day in many corners of this world. It is a brutal practice beyond our imaginings. It is a horror. And it should come as no surprise to us that eventually this practice which was reasonably common in the time of Jesus should show up in the gospel stories about Jesus. And today it shows up in a big way indeed. The, the story begins well before the story begins. Somehow or other this poor woman is caught in the flagrant act of adultery. The leaders of the people, the big shots, the powerful people, the people who control the law of Moses and its distribution of justice, they grab hold of her, drag her through the streets of Jerusalem, beating her as she goes along almost certainly, and they take her and stand her in front of Jesus the foot of the temple, the very temple of God, the temple that represents justice and mercy and compassion and God's presence in our midst. And here they try to trick Jesus. That's part of their motivation. But by now, of course, this has turned into a mob, into a rabble of men, both educated and probably not so educated, who are standing around with stones in their hands, ready to let her have it. And the leaders of the people ask Jesus, Jesus, the law of Moses says we need to kill her by stoning. We're ready. Just give us the word. What do you think? If Jesus says no, then he is contradicting the law of Moses. If Jesus says yes, go ahead, stone away doesn't maintain his image as someone of mercy and compassion and kindness, does it? Jesus' response to this rabid crowd of angry men ready to stone this poor lady is silence. He does not accept the bait. He does not respond to them. Instead, he bends down and almost ignores them as he doodles in the dust. But what that silence does, that length of time, that Jesus does not just not take the bait, 
but does not engage them in their anger, does not justify their rage, does not join them in their, their sense of Moses' justice, is he diffuses them. In a sense, he absorbs the rage himself. And the longer they stand there with those stones in their hands, the more uncomfortable they get. The more they have to see themselves not just as an angry mob, but as individuals with stones in their hands. What Jesus does is he dissipates their rage simply by ignoring it, absorbing it, letting them come to their own sense that there's something not quite right about this stone in my hand and what I'm going to do with it. They keep asking him. They pester him. They're uncomfortable. So they ask again, Jesus, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Give us an answer. When Jesus is ready, when he feels they're ready to hear his answer, he speaks. Talk about economy of words. Just a very few words, Jesus says, the most perfect response imaginable. Those of you without sin, go ahead, throw that stone. Those of you without sin, hearing those words, their accusations, their sense of justice, their malevolence, their rage, their hatred, their self-righteousness gets turned back on them. What they accuse her of, they have to listen, they have to examine their own hearts and their own consciences. Jesus does not accuse them. He lets them decide. He lets them do the reflecting. He lets them do the looking inward. And then he goes silent yet again, one more time, doodling in the dust. And this second silence is extremely important because it gives time for that crowd not just to let go of their rage but also in humility, in shame. They must look at themselves and say, yes, I too am a sinner. And perhaps I've committed the very same sin she's committed. Remembering that business trip to Beirut. Hmm. And what happens to them is they realize they're in no position to judge this woman because indeed they are sinners and perhaps worse even than she is. And what that leads to is a walking away, a walking away from the edge of violence, from the edge of brutality, from the edge of a cruel justice that would turn them into animals. And as they walk away, they drop their stones. What Jesus has done is given them the freedom to change their hearts to let go of that stone, to let go of that self-righteousness, to let go of that evil heart, of, of that rage and that, that moral judgmentalism, to let go of their spirit of condemnation, 
to walk away and be free. The words that Jesus will use in a few moments further on with the woman, Jesus, in a sense, in his silence, uses with them. Go. Be free. Sin no more. And they have that choice then. When I drop this rock, I will never pick it up again. Or is this just a temporary delay in our plans to execute the justice of Moses? If not with her, then with someone else or someone else or someone else and perhaps even Jesus himself when the time is right. Once they've all disappeared, Jesus turns his attention, his love, his gaze towards this woman who stands before him broken and embarrassed and shamed and having feared for her life, shaking still with the thought of what was about to happen to her. Has no one condemned you, nor do I condemn you. I'm not here to represent God's justice almighty in the law of Moses. I'm here to represent God's mercy, to be God's compassion, to give freedom and life to people, not death. Go and be free and sin no more. Well, this story with stones at the center of it offers to everyone who hears it back then and even now to this day a challenge to take a look at what stones we have in our hands what stones we have in our hearts and to let them go. The, the stones of rage, the stones of hurt, the stones of moral outrage, the stones of justice without mercy, the stones of condemnation itself. Jesus says to us as much as to the people standing around him on that temple square, let go. Drop the stone. Walk away from the edge. And love. And offer mercy. And extend compassion to anyone and everyone just as God has extended mercy and compassion indeed. Love without end to you. In these final days of the Lenten season, the sound we should be hearing during Jesus' silence before us is the sound of our stones dropping from our hands and from our heads and from our hearts to the dusty ground below.